Just before going to my stateroom, there was a bump. As I turned the handle, there was another bump. As I got into my room, there was a third bump. Nothing very violent. And I slipped on a coat over my white satin evening dress and went right out. And as I got out on the deck, I saw a large gray, well, it looked to me like a building floating by, bumping along the rail, and ice fell all over the, the deck. And I, and a great many of my foolish fellow passengers, picked up the ice and started to play snowballs. We asked the officers, was any danger? They said, no, nothing at all, just a mere, mere nothing. We just hit an iceberg. It was a time when men believed in machines. The year 1912 found the world riding the sweeping crest of a runaway industrial revolution that began with slow ripples only a few years before. Progress knew no bounds. Almost every day produced yet another extraordinary mechanical marvel. People could talk over a wire and hear Caruso's booming tenor through a needle on Bakelite. Assembly lines, the lifeblood of mass production, were churning out everything from Cadillacs to cheap refrigerators. Machines were fast becoming man's salvation, edging him one step closer toward his ultimate destiny. Such brash omnipotence might be acceptable for the manufacture of sewing machines or jackboots, but not the sea, whose safe passage is granted only by the benevolent permission of the gods. Still, the egotistical mindset of the early 20th century paid little heed. This was a bold new age when man pushed away the inevitability and unpredictability of death consumed with the drive to prosper. This gilded, reckless age indulged men of high ambition and a thirst for domination. One such visionary was young magnate J. Bruce Ismay, president of the elite White Star Line, the esteemed shipping company he inherited from his father. Ismay's ambition produced three gargantuan superliners with the imposing names of Olympic, Titanic, and Britannic, floating dynamos such as the world had never known. When the scaffolding went up in 1910 at Harland and Wolf shipyards in Belfast, Northern Ireland, the colossal sister ships Olympic and Titanic rose steadily to almost frightening proportions. But it was Titanic, the monstrous Grey Lady, a product of the dedication of some 15,000 men that drew awestruck crowds to her massive dry dock. The vessel towered some 11 stories high, stretched one-sixth of a mile with interiors faithfully copied from the opulent palaces of the 18th century French royal dynasty.